Howdy, howdy, my friends, and welcome again to episode 202 of the Keeping Up with the King series here as we go through the book of Matthew, and we are in Matthew chapter 19. And this is um, this is an account that we see in a couple spots in Scripture, and I love this. Uh, I just actually um, talked about this in a chapel service not long ago, but this uh, well, you can also read about it in, Matt, in uh, Mark chapter 10 and Luke chapter 18. And I think there's really something cool about this and the next story, because I don't think that they are separate little vignettes. I think that there is a greater connection to them. And there's, uh... so let's talk about that. So it starts off in verse 13. It says, then the little children were brought to him that he might put his hands on them and pray. But the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, Let the little children come to me, and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and departed from there. Now, when we read about this in Mark, we see that it's it, it this springs out of the disciples are having a conversation about which one of them is the greatest. And Jesus takes a little child and he says, Unless you are converted and, and become like a little child, um, you know. Well, first, I guess, well, hey, you know what? I'm just, rather than me telling you in my own words, I'm just going to read it. It says, then they brought little children to him that he might touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus, sorry, my app froze. (laughs) Um, When when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said, let the little children come to me um, and do not forbid them for such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And he took them up in his arms and he blessed them or took took them up in his hands um, and blessed them. So he says, look, if you want to enter in, you've got to come like a little child. And so what he's talking about here is total dependence, right? Little children, we're not talking like six-year-olds. We're talking like two-year-olds, 18-month-olds, little little kids, little teeny ones. They're totally dependent. They don't survive without their parents. When they want something, they just put their hands up. When they want to get picked up, they come over and they pull on your pant leg and they put their arms up. When they're in their high chair, they point, they grunt. You know, they might say, you know, eat or whatever. My daughter would say, mo, mo, want more food, mo. Um, and when they were done... They put their hands up, you know, get me up out of the side chair. They didn't come to you at mealtime and say, look, I'm a good person. You know, I've, I've been, I've been really good about being in my bouncy chair and, uh, I was in the walker for a little bit. Uh, I was having belly time on the floor. I rolled, crawled a little. Um, and so I really feel like, you know, I, I'm deserving of food or diaper change. No, they don't do any of that. They, they don't come to their parents based on their own worthiness or their own works. They just come totally dependent upon their parent. They come knowing they have a loving parent and they know where those blessings come from. And Jesus is saying, look, you if you when you come to the Father, that's how you come. You don't come in light of your own greatness. You come in light of your own inability your own total dependence. That's what he's talking about. 
He's not saying you come to God saying, look, God, look at all the good things I've done. Look at all my good works. Look, see, I'm a good person. I, I should enter into the kingdom of heaven. No, it's the ones who reach out to him and say, God, I just need you. Jesus, I believe that you paid the price for my sin on the cross. I believe you rose again from the grave. I need you. I need that forgiveness. I need that gift of your grace. I have nothing to offer you of value. I just need you. That's what he's talking about. Now check this out. The next story, right? The next story, it says this. Now behold, one came and said to him, good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So the next guy comes up and says, what must good, good thing must I do? So two things to notice here, right? The word good is mentioned twice. First, he says, good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? So in light of the previous conversation, he is asking the totally wrong question because Jesus is saying he want to enter the kingdom. It's not by doing good things. It's by coming as a total dependent, like a child, like a little child reaching out saying, I need you. But here he comes. And Jesus says, why do you call me good? Right? He says, good teacher. Jesus says, why do you call me good? And Jesus is setting him up here, right? Jesus is setting him up. No one is good but one, and that is God. But if you want to enter life, keep the commandments. So is Jesus saying that the way to eternal life is keeping the commandments? No, he's setting the guy up, right? Because the guy calls him good teacher, and he says, there's no one good but God. Um, but if you want to enter life, by being good, then keep the commandments. Now, the proper response at this point would have been like, okay, well, if there's no one good but God, then you must be God. And secondly, if I if I enter in by keeping the commandments, I'm in big trouble because I've broken all of them in my heart. If not outwardly, I've broken all of them. That should be the response is, oh, Lord, what am I going to do? I'm doomed. I'm, oh, Jesus, I'm doomed. But instead, the guy says this. Which ones? Right, there's a lot of commandments in the Old Testament. Which ones? And Jesus said to him, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your, your mother and your father. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So that's like six, <laughs> six things, right? And the young man said to him, all these things I've kept from my youth. What do I still lack? Um, all these things he's done from his youth. Uh, not according to the way Jesus interpreted the law. According to the way the common uh, teachers of the day interpreted the law, yes, he had kept all these things from his youth. But according to Jesus definitions that we heard way back in the Sermon on the Mount, we find that, oh, no, you're in big trouble because if you've lusted in your heart, that's adultery. And if you've hated your brother, that's murder. Jesus made the commandments much wider and he pointed out the internal aspect that the external show of keeping the law was not nearly as important as the internal heart behind it. And 
breaking the law in your heart, desiring to do it, but not doing it, um, meditating on it, thinking on it, dwelling on it, and just, you know, that forgiveness of hatred, unforgiveness of hatred, you know, that's, that's murder. And why, why is that murder? Well, if you say, I don't want you to be forgiven, you don't deserve forgiveness, right? You don't deserve my forgiveness. You've harmed me. I won't forgive you. You don't deserve my forgiveness. There's some big problems with that. Number one is you are now saying that person doesn't deserve forgiveness. Jesus died on the cross for their forgiveness. He paid the price for their forgiveness. You are then saying, you know what? That person doesn't deserve forgiveness. They don't deserve my forgiveness. They are not worthy of my forgiveness. And my forgiveness is not as great. And the, uh, the crime they've committed against me, the sin against me is nothing compared to what they've done against God. And so... Therefore, that person doesn't deserve forgiveness. Therefore, they should be damned forever. That's hatred. That's hatred. And so that's murder. I want them to go to hell. That's murder. So uh, anyway, he says, all these things I've done from my youth, which is not true. But again, see what Jesus says. And Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And Come, follow me. So Jesus puts his finger on, on the guy's issue, right? We're going to see if this guy really wants what he says he wants, right? What do you say he wants? He wants to know what good thing shall I do that I might have eternal life. Jesus says, all right, you want to do it? You want to, you've done all, you've kept all the commandments. Okay. Sell everything you can't have and follow me. Give it to the poor. Follow me. Now, that might seem extreme, but every one of us that comes to Jesus, we're, we come to him with this attitude. I'm laying down all that I have. I'm laying down all that I have, Jesus, for you. I'm coming to you broken and desolate. I have nothing to offer you. I have nothing. I recognize that all that I have is loss compared to what he, what I need uh, in compared to a relationship with him. So all that to say... Jesus lays it out like, come follow me. Sell all that stuff. Give it away. Come follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. He made a choice. He came saying he wanted one thing, but what he really wanted, what was more important to him than eternal life, was his present life. What was more internal, more, more important to him than eternal riches and and the presence of God was the present presence of comfort. Heaven forbid we make that choice. If you made that choice today, repent and make the other choice. God bless you. Talk to you next time.